And we're back. Here we are. <laughs> this is episode four of Hills and Twos. Four, yeah. I'm Shay. Oh my God. I'm Tim. I'm Shay. <laughs> <laughs> and we are joined by the wonderful the John infamous. Green. The infamous John What's Green. Uh, infamous is not. I don't, I don't know if that's the right word to use. Infamous has a bad connotation. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I would prefer not infamous. The though, okay. infamous the renowned, the <laughs> running renowned, John Green. So thank you very much thank for joining us. Me. Good time. Nah, thanks for having me on. So uh, I, it took me a while. I'm not gonna lie. With uh, hills and twos, I was like, I read it for the first time, and I was like, hills and twos. That's that's interesting. And then I was, I said it out loud. I was like, oh, I get it. Now. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have asked before. Last episode we talked about because my dad had watched the first few episodes, and he's like, what does hills and twos even mean? So we had to clarify that it's our bread and butter Georgetown coach yeah. Brandon Bonzi workout. So. Very big staple. For did sure. you uh, did you do hills and twos at your time in Georgetown? Oh yeah, okay. did a lot of hills and two hills and twos were not my bread and butter day. Those are towpath days. I was gonna say you were definitely days. a a long tempo kind of guy. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, hills and twos, I was usually getting destroyed on. Question: Where did you start on the hill? That's kind of like a up for debate topic. <laughs> uh, you start at the like. It's like the junction box or whatever down at the bottom, right? Yeah. There's like a, a, light a there. crease in the sidewalk right yeah. there. And then you go up to, I think it's the sign. Yeah, I would say, like so that. this that's our big debate. Do you end at the sign or do you end at the corner? So that's what people Definitely debate on. Yeah, so I'm signed. Because yeah, then, you, then yeah. you're sprinting into the street. Right? Exactly. The car, you yeah. know, like, All the grandmas are getting mad when they're driving into the little development right there. And <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's always fun. <laughs> um, so where are you right now? Because you are from, are you, you're generally in Virginia, right? No, I'm actually in, uh, so I was in New York City previously, and okay. then I'm from uh, Massachusetts originally, so I was out there, and then um, I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona, where I'm living, gotcha. so um, I'm out here for, I've been out here since January, and so just, uh, yeah, enjoying enjoying high altitude constantly now, so I'm getting fit, uh, or trying to at least, not really running fit, but So you know, you're surviving. from the Boston area? Yeah, so well, Worcester for those who are from Massachusetts. So I grew up uh, in a small town called Berlin, uh, which is a town of like twenty seven hundred people. And so, but yeah, like it's like an hour east of or hour west of Boston or so. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I saw your family's like hardware. Yeah, shop, I saw the hardware it? store. I saw Melly tweeted about it. Yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah. So that's uh, in Wells. So that's close to where I have a place now. Um, and so it's like, yeah, Wellesley's like I don't know. 20 minutes outside of like city of Boston ish somewhere around there. So, um, but yeah, I used to work there at the store and that was like from my hometown house, it's like 45 minutes to an hour with traffic. So it was a little bit of a journey. (laughs) So just for background, uh, John ran at Georgetown and, uh, then he got into coaching and now he coaches Molly Seidel who just, yep. Molly Seidel, uh, Grayson Murphy and Emily Enfeld, uh, a fellow Hoya as well. Right. So we've, we have a lot of Hoyas out here in Flagstaff right now. Uh, Katrina Coogan, who's also out here and, uh, Rachel Schneider's also out here. And then a bunch of people who aren't running professionally as well are, are still out here. Mike Smith as well. He's out here as well. Um, I should say Rachel Smith. Um, and so, yeah, so yeah, it's uh, it's a bunch of Hoyas out in flag. So I got a, I got a little bit of a funny story for you. So I'm taking a sports journalism class or I was not the semester just ended. So our last class, um, we're sitting around waiting for start. And my professor, her name's Joan, by the way. I think she said she was going to start listening to podcasts. So. Hi, Joan. Um, shout out, Joan Neeson from The Athletic. Anyway, a uh, girl walks in, and like another girl in my class, and she's like, Joan, I just met Molly Seidel. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, that doesn't sound right. 
for one. But I was like, wait, is she talking about who I think she's talking about? So my professor was like, wait, oh my God, that's awesome. Like, what was she doing here? And she's like, I don't know. She was with some girl named Rachel Snyder. And I was like, well, yeah, her coach went here or whatever. But then I found out later that they were doing the Olympian White House visit. Um, it was yeah, pretty funny. So, so, yeah, Molly got to work out on the towpath. We, I sent her out on a 10-mile progression run there. And uh, Rachel uh, went with her for a bit of it as well. So, yeah, it was uh, – Molly has always critiqued uh, George – or not Georgetown specifically, but D.C. as, like, a bad running city. And I've always argued it with her. And so, yeah, now she got to see D.C. and run a little bit. And she, she said she enjoyed it. So, well, we'll probably have to take a trip uh, back there at some point and uh, – like do actually a real running, uh, like explore, uh, exploring trip or something like that. Yeah. That's the thing. Most people think DC is bad running area, at least in the Georgetown area. There's a ton of options that are not roads, you know? Yeah. There's actually like Georgetown, like Northwest is like incredible because yeah. you can like, so I lived up in Glover park for a period of time. And like, that's obviously you have to go down the like Wisconsin Hill or whatever. Yeah. And that's kind of a, a bummer. But other than that, like, yeah, if you're in like Georgetown, Georgetown area, like it's great. Like yeah. it's so nice. You can go to so different places. And even if like you're in Glover Park, you don't have to do the climb. Like you can just go up and over into uh, like um, Rock Creek Park and yeah, stuff. Right. There's, there's so many options. Yeah. But yeah, that I, I feel like people don't realize. But if you're up in other areas, like then it's obviously a little bit. Yeah, cool, if you're but... in like downtown or by the monuments and stuff. It's yeah. like, we know. just found out yeah. about the, there's behind the French embassy, there's like a bunch of trails there. And we just like discovered oh, it. Yeah, so. we never touched them. We were just like jogging around one day, and now I've gone there every day since. Is that by? Uh, is that uh, a little bit of a tangent here? I guess is that behind like the trails behind Safeway, kind of? They no, no, no. So it's more on the other side, like behind where the track is. If you're looking at the track from like the uh, gates you enter, it's behind okay. there, which is I, interesting. I'd never found it before because Safeway trails are obviously like a big one that we we would hit a lot. But, yeah. Oh, the French Embassy. Sorry, I was confusing. French Embassy is on Reservoir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right by the oh, hospital. Yeah, there's a ton of trails. Also, if you take like a left, like if you go down and start taking lefts or whatever, that gets you over into whatever that. Uh, it's not Dumbarton Park, I don't think, but there's like a park that over. Uh, like there's some trails that cut over there. Those yeah. those are sweet. It's yeah, a lot they're of fun. fun. It, they're they're it's beautiful. crazy what you can just link together exactly you can link everything i was like looking on strava's map and i saw how far it went i was like oh i can get a real run in here this is beautiful have you guys ever done the loops around like uh this is very niche georgetown running uh like power lines and stuff oh yeah oh Oh, yeah yeah Yeah, like you can link that around yeah there's a ton of options yeah so yeah where is a is a clutch run speaking of beautiful places to run as dc is one um, yes. how would you rank your favorite places in the U S to run? Cause now that you bounce around a lot, you know, you're in flag, yeah. obviously flag is now the Mecca, although that's debatable with Boulder. <laughs> um, but yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? Where do you, where do you like? I, I love flag flag is, is sweet. Like it's to be honest, I mean, there's no comparison between like a DC and a flag. Like they're just very different running spots kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like you boys have been out to flag, right? I'm assuming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you guys get it. Like five, there's just like, however many hundreds that maybe even thousands of miles of like fire roads you can get onto. And like you have the urban trail out here It's just a ton of different options and stuff like that. Um, obviously it's not an urban city, but I still think, I think DC is one of the best running cities in, in the country, like flat out, especially I think having lived in Boston for a period of time, having lived in uh, New York city for a period of time and DC, I think DC is the best out of those three for sure. Like yeah. no question. Um, I haven't, 
other than that, like I've been to Portland a little bit, but I haven't explored Portland. It's been like for a night or two here or there, kind of like not, not a ton. I got lost. There was one, I forget the name of the park up in Portland that I got super lost in. And it was like super, Bonzi took us there once, I think. We just, it was just like climbing the entire time. We definitely started at the wrong spot. It was bad. <laughs> That's a, Portland is like a, a very beautiful place to run, but I understand that like it, yeah. it is hard to find places because I've been there a few times now. And obviously like the Nike For campus sure. is, is great to run there and the area yeah. surrounding it. But I've been told that there's a lot of other spots that I haven't been able to see there. So I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I'm not going to knock Portland given I haven't I haven't been there, but yeah, yeah. for like East Coast, like it. out of Boston, New York City, and DC, DC is far away the best. That's my yeah. My I'll argument. be uh, <laughs> I'll be living in New York City this summer, so I have to text you. You have to uh, send me the, the the hidden spots there to hit. I was only, I wasn't there for very long, so I I don't know if I know all the hidden spots for sure, but I mean, there's like obviously you got Central Park, that's nice. Um, I'm trying to think where else you got. Um, the West Side Highway, East Side Highway, um, and there's just some tracks. Where are you living in? Uh, hey, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my our few hundred listeners don't stalk me this summer. For sure, for sure. <laughs> um. Yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, obviously, in a less serious, or you know, that's obviously not a serious. But I saw Molly's post recently. So I mean, I I saw that she's just taking a step back. You know, kind of just enjoying her privacy a bit more because I, I feel like that's definitely sure. a hard thing to balance. Is putting you know Strava like such a public thing on how your running's going where you're running all stuff like that so what kind of yeah. you know I don't know maybe you can dive into that a little bit I don't know how much you can say but yeah no I, I think it was something that uh, Molly and I had talked about a bunch obviously and um, with I think she has like 60 something thousand followers on Strava and that's obviously a ton of people kind of following your every move and stuff like that and um talking about it with her is just something where similar to Instagram, like you're not posting every photo that you take on, on your phone. Right. But instead picking and choosing things that are a little bit more memorable or things that have like need more are worth explaining or giving more context to. And that's kind of what we talked about with running. Right. Um, obviously, um, there, there has been issues. Uh, Emily Infeld uh, dealt with it, of course, of um, dealing with with the stalker, and it's 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 not a joking matter by any means. And so, I think this is something that, um, yeah, it was just Molly and I sat down and talked about, and um, decided that it was kind of just for the best. And um, obviously, still like Strava, still think it's it's a good platform. There could be some security features that could be increased or bettered and stuff like that. But that's that's with every platform, right? There's going to be issues with it, you know? So, um, yeah, but I think, uh, the new, like our, or her new way of kind of going about and posting with things, I think is a little, it's going to be a little bit more fun posting the bigger sessions, posting the more interesting runs and, um, yeah, just having, having more fun with it and picking and choosing that way. There's not even like a, uh, an overload of people looking through it and stuff like that, you know? Hmm. It makes sense. And obviously, I mean, she's become, you agree, Shay, like she's the, the golden girl of American distance running now. Like everyone loves yeah. Molly. I mean, oh, even to the point where, you know, a, a girl in one of my classes like knew who she was when she met her and, and understood it was a big deal that she met yeah. her. Yeah. I mean, winning an Olympic medal in any sport kind of puts you on the like kind of global map for, I don't know, fame, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> so. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely been a lot has changed over the last like two years when it comes to like her notoriety and stuff like that. And so it's, it's exciting, man. It's really exciting. And um, yeah, I'm hoping like, obviously to keep it rolling and keep moving forward with it for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think, I know she, we've talked, obviously we talk about goals and stuff like that. Uh, when she shares it, she'll share it, but yeah, I'm excited for her goals. Cause I think, I think there's some big ones and uh, yeah, really put track and field and marathon running and us marathon running on, on the map more so now. 
Yeah. Yeah. So as a coach, like how have things changed for you in terms of just Molly's success over the past like year yeah. and a half? Yeah, obviously going from uh, just coaching her on the side kind of thing. I was I was uh, running professionally at the time myself, and then I ended up getting dropped right before the trials. Um, and yeah, like, and uh, then I was working at a hardware store. Now I'm fully able to like support myself through my coaching and stuff like that, and started coaching Emily and uh, Grayson Murphy, obviously. And so that's been something that is. Um, has been a lot of fun being able to work with more athletes, um, both amateur and professional is it, it's really cool. It's a lot of fun. You know what I mean? I think I've always really been interested in coaching and, um, whether that was, I was at Georgetown or when I was a professional, just kind of trying to figure out the ins and outs of it and understanding it is, yeah, it's been, it's been a ton of fun to like be able to grow and learn from other like coaches in the, in the sport. Right. Um, I've learned a lot from Bonzi during my time. I, I learned a lot from Mike Smith. And then obviously being able to talk to, there's so many coaches here in, in Flagstaff that come to town and being able to sit down and chat with them as well is, is really cool. It's, it's a really, really, really cool network at the end of the day. That's cool. Um, so, you know, kind of on that topic of goals, well, for one, is, is professional running still something that you're interested in pursuing, like your, your own individual running career, or is coaching kind of <laughs> at the forefront of that right now? Definitely coaching is a forefront. I, I, I went for my first run um, yesterday in like, two to three months, I think. Uh, so yeah, I, or aside from, uh, for those who follow Katrina Coogan, I paced her in, uh, for 200 meters uh, a couple days ago, but other than that, yeah, I'm not doing a ton of running. Um, definitely not looking to pursue professional running. I think, um, if I wanted, like if I, I got kind of burnt out personally and so like mentally and stuff. And so I've just kind of put that on the back burner. I never will probably professional run will not look for a contract or anything like that. Um, just really, if I want to jump into a race or something like that, I, I might do that or doing some like fun races with friends, like things like that I'll do, but, uh, mostly just coaching. It's just one of those things where like, I can't, I don't go out for long runs myself. I like, I bike with the athletes and I'm carrying like six water bottles and stuff like that. Like that, that's my job now. And so, and it's a lot of fun. You know what I mean? I get to, I still get to spend the time and do the social aspect of running, but I'm just on a bike most of the time, which is cool. It's cool. I like that. I mean, I'm, how was that transition? You know, what was that like for you from, you know, your career, your individual running success, being at the forefront of your goals to, you know, sharing that with other athletes and their goals. Yeah, it's been kind of an odd transition, to be honest with you, because it wasn't something that was so cut and dry. Like, so I was dropped. Um, I was dropped by uh, my sponsor. And then all of a sudden, like the pandemic hit. So <laughs> it was one of those things where like everybody's careers kind of ended. And then I just never picked mine up. But a lot of people were in the similar si uh, situation. So um, but yeah, I, it was one of those things where like it was a gradual transition. And then when I was brought on to the group I was uh, coaching, a uh, professional group I was coaching down in New York City, that was something where I was like, okay, this is something that I can, like, this is my job now, like full-time job. And so that was something that was was really cool and being able to say like, oh yeah, I'm a professional coach is like not something most people can say, which is, which is cool. And yeah, being able to help others kind of like, I, I view myself kind of, I say to my athletes, professional amateurs, like I view myself as kind of an enabler of like, whatever they want to accomplish, my goal is to try to set them up in the best possible way that I, I believe is right in setting them up to like accomplish those goals. So like whether that's trying to BQ or whether trying to get the OTQ or like maybe you're trying to win medals, right? Like whatever you're trying to do, like I'm, I'm there to like help and like enable, you know what I mean? Yeah. So have you ever like considered selling training plans just to like the public? Because I feel like with your like notoriety right now as a coach, as like a coach of an Olympic medalist, you could easily just make a ton of money, <laughs> like selling plans. Yeah. 
So I do, I have Verde Track Club and I sell training plans on verdetrackclub.com. Um, and so there's, uh, I'm sold out right now for a lot of plans, but um, I have the Ponderosa plan, the uh, Camp Verde plan, the Coconino plan and the Grand Canyon plan. And so right now I still have spots available on the uh, Camp Verde and Coconino plans, but um, those are running out quickly. So, but yeah, no, I, I am doing that. And so that's been a lot of fun working with a, uh, a lot of amateurs and whether it's somebody trying to like, just finish their, like finish their marathon and like not walk during it, or whether it's people like, like I was saying, kind of going for um, OTQs and stuff like that, like, and the everything in between, right. It's, it's been a lot of fun to be able to work with them. And um, yeah, no, I appreciate letting me shout that out. Where, uh, where can people find that? What's your website? Um, verdetrackclub.com, um, or you can find me at go green XC on Instagram or Verde track club on Instagram for the professional, like the, the website, uh, or like Verde track clubs, Instagram page. That's what I'm trying and to say. what's the difference between each plan? I'm guessing it's more like personalized or. Yeah, just more, more like more time kind of thing. Um, Ponderosa plan is just uh, monthly check-ins for people who kind of know what they're doing um, and feel comfortable working. Like maybe it's the first time they're working with a coach um, or they just want to see how I work things or how I write training kind of thing. Ponderosa plan is great for that. It's 12 weeks, 89 bucks. Um, and so that's uh, kind of a good intro plan all the way up to like the Grand Canyon plan that includes um, it's uh, 200 bucks a month and it includes uh, two phone calls per month, unlimited messaging on final surge, as well as kind of week to week plans um, of like modification of plans and stuff like that. So um, basically everything in between is uh, with the uh, Camp Verde and Coconino plans as well. So that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's a really cool facet of running as a sport is like, you know, there's people like you and Molly and us where we're trying to, you know, achieve the sport at the, at the highest level and, you know, talk about winning global medals and championships. But then like, you know, we head out to our track on the morning and it's a community track. So other people use it and there's, you know, there's 85 year old grandmas out there getting their jog in, you know? So I think that's, mm -hmm. it's really cool that running kind of encompasses like anyone can run. I think that's probably why the the jogging boom of the seventies yeah. took off when, when pair of sneakers. Pre, yeah. When pre was big. Yeah. I think the accessibility is definitely probably the, the biggest part and definitely with media nowadays, people have more access to see um, kind of the benefits of it, but also just, I don't know how fun it can be. So I think that's just a really, really cool part of running is that it's just so universal. Like anyone can do it. For sure. No, I think that is something that it's, it's super easy. Obviously, I always suggest to people they work with a coach, whether it's me or other people, right? Like um, finding finding a coach that you can just kind of bounce ideas off of is super helpful, um, no matter what level you're at, I feel like. Um, but with that being said, there's also a ton of resources out there, right? Like uh, there's books that Jack Daniels has written. There's books uh, Ben Rosario of NAZ Elite has written with Scott Bobble. Like there's so many books out there and like you can learn a lot. Um, I wouldn't go to Let's Run for your uh, like for workout ideas or like things like that. But like, you know what I mean? You could just there's so many resources out there that you can learn from that. Like, yeah, uh, pick up a book and just if you start reading it, you can kind of understand um the basic uh, physiology and um, what you're trying to. I mean, on that topic of let's run, because um, here we go. I we devoted go. a <laughs> large part of an episode to express my disdain for let's run, but not let's run as, you know, not, not, you know, way Joe or the people that run let's run. But I think what it, what it's drawn out is such a negative side of the sport and such an, I mean, when you give, it's like Twitter, when you give people the platform to say anything they want, especially when it's Let's Run and it's largely anonymous, like you open up a window for people to 
express some pretty dark and bad thoughts. And especially when they start going at other people. I mean, we talked about this with Sam. It's like, you know, Sam Parsons is trying to build a career, trying to build a professional team, trying to market themselves and, and grow the sport, grow their brand, you know, grow their careers. And then you have my favorite way to say it is you got people in their mom's basement with their Twitter fingers, you know, just expressing just disdain for them for no reason whatsoever. And it's the kind of thing that they would never, never say personally. And I'm sure you probably looked into it. I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm sure people have negatively spoken about Molly on there, especially, you know, after Boston, I'm sure people said stuff like, and it's these people who cannot understand. Just if you don't, like, if you wouldn't say it in person, don't say don't it. Don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, and, and that's, I think, I mean, it's not let's run specifically, but this, this sort of in, in genuine nature that's kind of been drawn out in the sport recently, maybe specifically with running YouTube and helped with that too. I think that's kind of one of the things it's like, it seems productive, but it's so counterproductive for trying to make the sport mainstream trying to make it more than something that's just once every four years on NBC. And it, it, it's just drawn out a lot of negativity. I, I don't know what you guys think on that, but I mean, those are at least my, my thoughts on how, how I feel like that operates and how negative that is for, for the sport itself. Yeah. I mean, I think this has been something that's definitely existed far before the, the YouTube uh, like channels and stuff like that, that creators have and runners have created. Um, with that being said, like Instagram, there's always been, there's been comments and stuff like that. And um, Let's Run has obviously been around for a while and stuff like that. And just having that uh, uh, anonymity is something that is definitely not super helpful. But on Instagram, it's the same thing with registered profiles, like kind of coming out and just attacking people, you know what I mean? And you can always create another profile kind of situation. And um, yeah, I think it's definitely... Um, yeah, definitely not great um, to like, I've had negative things said about me, obviously in the last couple of years before that, it wasn't really something I wasn't really on the board, like being talked about that much. Um, and so, but recently I've like with Molly's success and stuff like that. And especially with Molly um, having the DNF in Boston, that was something that came up quite a bit um, on, on the boards. And yeah, I mean, Molly deals with it quite a bit. And uh, so does like all, a lot of professionals do. I won't just say Molly, it's, it's a lot of professionals that deal with that negativity. And it's, it is, it, it, it sucks, but that's something that comes with the job and hopefully one day it won't. But right now it's definitely something that, um, you got to learn how to have really tough skin at times because yeah, I mean like people saying what they want to say, they're just shooting off the cuff and just kind of going for it. And you know, that's, it's not something that people like, I, you got to have to remind, I remind my athletes and other people I talk to about it is just like, yeah, it, it's something you just got to deal with and realize that like, if it's not somebody you care about, then why do you care about their opinions? Yeah. Kind of thing. What do you that think? Makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If you don't like know them, then like, why does it matter what they're saying? Yeah. I mean, I like your sentiment of like, if it's something you wouldn't say to them, if you met them, then it's not worth saying. Like I, I that the, my personal thoughts are at least just be genuine. Like even sure. with running YouTube and all that, you know, you got people saying all this negative stuff and people trying to be combative and, and say what you will about that. I think to some extent it's good for the sport, but like, it's funny. I keep saying good for the sport. Shout out the on guys for making hashtag good for the sport. The, the biggest <laughs> thing now it just sticks in my head, but I don't care, at least personally, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you say, as long as it's what you actually think and believe. But I think we're at a point where people just say stuff to be heard nowadays and people just say stuff to say it, to make noise. Yeah, no, for sure. And there's, yeah, social trends and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a whole, 
uh, as a <laughs> as a, a psychology and sociology major at, at, at Georgetown, definitely uh, it'd be something worth uh, studying in a class for sure. Like, yeah, I think it's interesting to see. Um, yeah, definitely social media trends and how it's impacted it for sure. But yeah, it is. It's definitely something that we if you're in more of the limelight or something like that or even if like as your college runner and stuff like that i'm sure people bring things up about the team and it just uh like one thing that i was taught early on in my career was like have a chip on your shoulder and you know what i mean like let it kind of fuel you kind of thing and keep on moving forward you know yeah i mean to that to that point of the, the chip on the shoulder kind of mindset what are your thoughts or what are both your guys thoughts on like this this sect of running that believes that, like, to be a successful runner, you need to be a hardo. You need to, like, do you know who David Goggins is? I, yeah, I know. Who yeah, David so David Goggins yeah. is like, stay hard. Like, whatever works, I respect. If it works for you, I respect that it works for you. Like, someone yelling, stay hard, is never going to motivate me. Like, someone putting on a tough guy persona is never going to motivate me or never going to, you know, push me or anything. Like, stay hard. Don't, like... If you can't pull it out from inside of you, I don't think that you're ever going to be able to pull it out. If yeah. that if that makes sense. So, like, what do you guys think on like that? This whole part of running that's like you need to be a hardo. You need to be one of those guys from the '70s running 150 mile weeks and not getting sleep and just hammering all day every day kind of thing. I think that's a that's a part of the sport that might not be true. Yeah. Like, might not be what they believe, or might not be the most effective way to do it. But again, if it works, it works. I mean, if you could get good doing it, sure. But yeah. I mean, like I personally would never do that because I'm just going to like get hurt. Yeah, you burn out, <laughs> mentally burn out. Mentally you burn know? out, yeah, mental. What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, I like my my two number one rules are consistent, have, being consistent and then having fun. And those usually go pretty hand in hand with things, right? Like uh, if you're if you're not like able to be consistent because you keep getting injured, right? It's not going to be really you're not going to be having fun. In the same way of like if training's not interesting and enjoyable, you're probably not going to be wanting to go out and do it, right? And so I think that's something that is uh, like with obviously with the airplane story with Molly for like those who like basically a guy on the plane was talking to her about like not knowing who Molly was, was explaining Molly's training to her about how this woman got a bronze medal and uh, like runs 130 <laughs> miles a week, right? Like, and that's, I think that's something that's really dangerous of people looking at professionals training or even like what a professional athlete looks like body-wise and stuff like that and being like, that's, that's what I need to do, right? Like, no, that's not the case, right? Like you gotta, like you gotta find what works best for you. And that's something that I work with Molly and I work with all my athletes on is like, I create, like, I have general philosophies of what makes people fit and how to get people fit. But with that being said, is like, it's going to be super tailored to each person. Right. And so that's, that's something that I really believe in is like, um, obviously like with Verde track club, like Emily, uh, Grayson and Molly are all like, they're, they're going to workouts together on occasion and they're running together and stuff like that. But each one is like, if I feel a workout's better for Emily, but not for Grayson, right? Like they're not going to work out together. That's fine. Right. It's, I might have three separate workouts, but I want to make sure that, yeah, the athletes are getting what they need. I feel like, and of course, like there's going to be days where they work out together and that's like, it's, it, it's an easy lineup. Right. Yeah. But I think that's the big thing is like, yeah, looking at what other people are doing. And like, I think that's going to be a really dangerous game of like comparisons and whatnot. And so, but yeah, like, it, like telling somebody to be tougher is like usually not gonna make them tougher. It's gonna be like, yeah, like I'm trying, I'm trying my best, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think setting up athletes 
to be as confident as they can with their toughness is like, so it's not just a blind toughness. It's a, it's a, like a backed toughness, right? Like um, if, if you try to go out and run, like, like yeah, I'm just going to go out and run like 1330 in the 5k, right? Like, it's one of those things where like, yeah, but like, if, what are your workouts that have led up to that? And you're like, oh, you've been doing 1330 workouts. So like, yeah, you should be running, be able to go run 1330, right? Yeah. In the same way of like, if you've been doing like workouts that a 15 flat guy has been doing, like, yeah, it's not going to give you a ton of confidence because yeah, you want to set it up. Uh, so you're like, you're like, your confidence and your like strength and your toughness is backed up by stuff, you know? Yeah. It's like one size fits all is not, you know, a foolproof way to, to do no. things. You yeah. know, I, I feel like that might've been the way of the past because maybe there was just less of an understanding. Maybe there's less knowledge out there. And I think maybe the internet is, has given us a better perspective on that, but there isn't one uniform way to just approach the sport and approach training people. Like, you know, Molly and Emily are two completely different athletes. They're doing, you know, yep. they're competing in two completely different things. So obviously what works for one is not necessarily going to work for the other a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, I think yeah. personalization. And that's something we talk about constantly is finding what works best for her. And like, what is she? I always ask, like, what have you done in the past that worked really well? And like, okay, if that worked really well, like, let's integrate that into the training plan, right? That's not something I've done before, but let's integrate it. And in. I understand. Or I might say, oh, listen, we, like, I understand you want to do X and we're going to do Y. And it's basically like, we're just doing it a slightly different way. Like, what's the difference between K repeats at threshold versus mile repeats at yeah. threshold? Like, and it's about the same, right? Um, so it's the same. It's kind of the same principle of like, yeah, understanding and not being, I think sometimes like looking back and looking at what worked for an athlete is, is super important to find and try to try to create like that unique plan for them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So kind of transitioning a little bit, um, you know, talk to us about your experience in Tokyo, because obviously that's, you know, that's an absurd experience and that that's a once in a lifetime, hopefully not once in a lifetime for you, yeah. but you know, for other people that dream about it, you know, a lot of people just want to get to one and, and feel what that feels like. But talk to us about, you know, what that was like from a perspective that's not in the athlete's perspective. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people talk about what it's like, you know, for the athletes in the athlete village and stuff like that, but you, you rarely get to hear the experiences of a coach, you know, who coached at the Olympics and coached someone who earned a medal. Yeah. Also the COVID test yeah. situation. There. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was really strict over there. Um, I mean, so we took a 14 hour flight or something like that over to, uh, we flew into Tokyo and we stepped off the plane and there was nobody in the terminal. There was just like medical staff waiting for us to test. Um, and there was an, a, a I think it was a race walk official with me who didn't have the, like, it didn't say what kind of test he had or something like that. He got turned around and kept in the terminal and they put him right back uh, going across. Oh, and so Jesus. like, it was like, they, they were not joking around. They were very strict on everything COVID protocol wise. Um, but yeah, so that was like, just to give an instance of like strictness, that's, that was the case. It wasn't that he didn't have a negative COVID test or anything like that, but it had like, it didn't have like certain words, like what type of test or something like that on it. And so, yeah, he got turned around, but then yeah, went through COVID protocols as soon as I got there. Um, and then, yeah, so it was, I flew over there not knowing whether I was going to be actually able to go up to Sapporo, um, where the race was happening. Um, I found out about 12 hours after landing in, in Tokyo. And so was stationed at one of the approved hotels in Tokyo for about 36 or 48 hours. And then, um, we ended up getting put on a, a charter plane, if you will. Um, it was just a, a commercial plane up, up to Sapporo and we were stuck in a hotel 
it was like lockdown situation. So we, we basically, we were stuck in the hotel. We couldn't leave like the property of the hotel unless we wanted to go eat. If we wanted to go eat, we could go, the hotel was like halfway down the block. We could take a left, go down halfway, cross the street, come like halfway down again, enter another building that had like, uh, basically it was like the conference rooms and stuff like that, or we could get food. When we wanted to leave and come back to the hotel, we could walk out, take, go the opposite direction, half a block down, cross and come back. And that, that was like the only thing we could do. Um, and then we could obviously go to um, like the running area, which was like a kilometer loop. And so that was like, it was very much locked down um, for sure. But yeah, when I'm going to Tokyo or like when I went to Japan, um, in this instance, it was, uh, it was just for like supporting Molly, right? Like my job was to help her out and make sure race day and like went as smooth as possible, make sure like, yeah, just everything went as smooth as possible. Um, and so whatever that may be, I'm, I'm there to help. Right. Um, we're obviously, I'm going to the like workout facility with her proctoring workouts, things like that. Um, and then just talking about race plan, making sure bottles are all set up, uh, during the race we were put, I was putting, I was put at, uh, what was it, I think the 13 kilometer, 23 kilometer and 33 kilometer marks. Um, and that's where I was, we were setting up bottles for them. We had other team USA members at the other bottle stations and stuff like that. But yeah, so it was either like watching on my phone. And then as they got closer, it was making sure bottles were set up and stuff like that. Um, and just, yeah, going from there, but I was actually on the bus when she finished and yeah, it was definitely super crazy ton of fun um we got to i ended up being able to go to the olympic village down in tokyo afterwards um for a night which was really cool um felt definitely out of a place for sure but um yeah it was awesome that's cool um did molly like expect what were you guys expecting like race plan wise for tokyo um i'm trying to think what we so it was really hot um there it was like that was the worst humidity and like worst heat that i've experienced personally um so props to them for racing in it. Uh, but yeah, it was, we just kind of said, we're going to stay in that front pack and just, uh, compete. Right. Like I, I definitely thought, uh, Molly had a chance of meddling. It wasn't like a surprise by any means, but it was also, we weren't expecting it. Right. Like she wasn't a favorite by any means to get a medal. And, but we also knew the training, um, and the build that we had leading up to it. And so we were, we were ready and prepared to go with things and go when the moves got made and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think just kind of sticking with it and staying, um, trying to like watch the tangents as well as like tucking in if it started getting windy. I think there was a little bit of wind forecasted for the day. And so just being, being able, and uh, obviously at one point um, Molly kind of went up to the front and was like leading, I think at one point or just in the wind. And it was, I like, I trust Molly fully during her races and stuff. She's really like tactically savvy. And so she knows what she's doing. If she's going to the front or like, going against what like we talked about as a race plan i like i know she's doing it because she like she knows what she's doing right so that doesn't worry me at all i i, I just kind of keep the faith and keep moving on with it yeah so kind of i mean obviously you know molly's your your star athlete you know olympic medalist and things of that nature but you know speaking on yourself what are some future career goals you know what do you want to get out of the sport before you call it a day yeah i mean to be honest with you, like I'll, I'll, I'll correct you a little bit on that. Like coaching Emily Infeld is also, uh, yeah, a medalist yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, Grayson Murphy is also like two time world champion and stuff. So like, that's something that's really special is like, I have, I'm coaching three separate, like three separate professional athletes right now that are all like 
shoot like are very different athletes in their own right but are also very similar in like personality and and whatnot wise as well and so yeah and other like and accomplishments wise and so they're all like super fun to coach i'll say but yeah I, like for me is like i just want to keep learning about the sport learning uh new ways to do things and stuff like that and just trying to make uh make steps forward i want to obviously continue to build out verde track club i think it's something that's super exciting and a lot of fun to be doing um whether that's uh, bringing on more professionals and stuff like that, which hopefully I'll be doing in the future. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to kind of continuing to grow it and uh, yeah, keep doing the things the way I've been doing it of like really tailoring um, to each individual athlete and finding what works best for them at the end of the day. Okay. So we're going to get into, you know, away from the, the general conversation and we, we play a couple games. Um, Let's go. Make it go fun. So this game will be like a little bit of a, a this or that. So Shay doesn't know any of this stuff either. So I'll ask you guys. It's more of this one's more of an opinion thing, but then we'll get into another one. So I'm going to give you guys two options um, and you guys are just going to pick. Okay. Cool. So you'll get the, you'll get the vibe. So first option, Nike or Adidas? John. Ooh, that's difficult. <laughs> I'm trying to stay away from who you have oh as athletes. God. That's the thing. I'm not giving yeah. you a softball there. Uh, yeah, I know. I'll, uh, that's, that's really difficult. I, I guess I, with, I'll go with Nike spikes right now, but yeah, I, uh, that's difficult because if either one wants to reach out to me, you know, yeah, that's I'll, right. I'll, we don't, we're not trying to bury your career here. Yeah. We're, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll make it known. John Green supports both Nike and Adidas. If anyone's willing to reach out. Um, yeah, exactly. Shay, what about and you? Puma and yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Puma, Saucony, yeah, you got everyone there. Yeah, yeah. You, you name on, you name it. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, dude, I've been Nike day one. Like, come on, day one Nike. Yeah. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll yeah. go with I'll go with Nike, given that we are a Nike sponsored school and, yeah. uh, and loving we love the, the products. Right now. Love uh, the products. Night. Yeah. So yeah. um. Well, actually, Ma Emily's Nike, so I, I gotta go with Nike. Yeah, there you go. Easy. So um. Easy. Okay, so here's another one. Mike Smith or Brandon Bonzi? <laughs> Let's burn some bridges right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying to burn it all down, I guess. Uh, uh, given that Bonzi got me to multi multi time All American, I'm gonna have to go with with uh, with Bonzi for my running career. And then, yeah, I mean, Mike's helped me a ton with my coaching career. So it's 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 a split. It's definitely a split. Yeah, we're trying to burn bridges here. <laughs> Shay, I feel like yeah, this is an easy it's answer. Pretty easy. It's for fun. Shay it's and I, we got, we got, it's Mike Smith. No, it's fun, obviously. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Galen Rupp or Mo Farah? Galen Rupp, for uh, sure. Yeah, Galen. You're easy. up. No American boy. Yeah, like especially with Mike coaching him. Yeah, oh, yeah. There you go. You see him a lot in flag. Is he based in flag? Galen or Mike? Galen. Uh, no, Galen's based in Portland. He he does come down to Flagstaff on occasion, but um, he he's mostly up in Flagstaff. Gotcha. Or is, up, okay. mostly up in uh, Portland. Yeah. Does yeah. he? I know you. Wait, tangent. You use the altitude tent. You were the first guy I, I heard about to. that used it. I yeah. bought one like in December, and I stopped using it though because I just got really tired. Um, does Galen oh, like yeah. use that in Portland? Well, does isn't his house like? Didn't he make his house set so his house as a whole could be at altitude? Right. Yeah. Galen's house is entirely uh, like I've, I've heard it's like uh, a con not a con I forget the term. It's like sealed. Yeah, because I remember <laughs> so hearing he can, he, bring in, he can bring it up to altitude. Yeah, before Rio, I remember hearing that he was like able to match the altitude, but also like match the humidity in wherever he was training. Which I thought was yeah, really he cool. has. I think there's, there's. I don't know if he has it in his house. This is all 
this is what I, I, I we've probably read the same things on last runs and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, runner's world. But yeah, I heard there's like a, a climatization like chambers as well, um, wow. where you can like run at like certain altitudes and certain humidities and heats and stuff like that. It's just a room that's can be like super controlled basically. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's going all in, which obviously what do you expect from him? That's probably the most invested guy in the sport possible. But that's um, Nike money. Yeah, that is Nike money. That's <laughs> Phil Knight. That's Phil Knight liking you money. Um, okay. So Flagstaff or Boulder? I mean, I've only been to Flagstaff, so I'm yeah. going to take Flagstaff. I've been to both, and so I'm going with uh, Flagstaff. Go. I do like Boulder. Um, it, it's it's definitely more of a like interesting city to be a part of. Like I wouldn't, I like living in Flagstaff, but like living like Boulder is more of like a classic city kind of thing. It has a lot of more options and stuff like that. But running wise, Flagstaff far and away, no no question for sure. I like that. Um, okay, 5K or 10K? John. Uh, I was better at the 10, so I'm going to have to say the 10. But, yeah, uh, I, I do – the 5 is fun too, though. Like, it's it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, the what 5 you, is great. It definitely hurts less. Uh, I've Dude, I think it hurts more, that. but <laughs> – I cannot offer an opinion given that the longest race I've ever finished was a 5K – in high school and then um well many 5ks in high school but yeah i don't think i will ever run a competitive collegiate 5k nor 10k in my i'll just text here. bond you right now yeah we'll yeah, make, we'll make it happen. Happen. We no we solidified the other day that i will never step foot on a cross-country course it doesn't have ever to be again. XC. it could be george mason i think opener. i think we are rarely ever going to race above a mile uh for the rest of my <laughs> rest of my career <laughs> um okay last one here we got this is a fan favorite, I think. We got Drew Hunter or Robert Brent. Again? <laughs> Again. <laughs> We're going to beat this horse. Oh, my God. That's easy. What do you I got? Mean, it's Brent. Brent. Like, there we Rob, go. Take it. I said like, Rob last time, right? Yeah, I think yeah. you said Rob last time. Um, no, I think yeah, you I said mean, Drew last time, actually. No, I definitely said Rob. Okay. Um, we'll I have mean, to I, ask. I've actually never met Drew. I've met Sam. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with Sam, but... Yeah, I, I've never actually met Drew, so that's that's an easy call. Yeah. Sam's a good guy. Shout out, Sam. But, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll have to ask both Rob and Drew at the same time. Maybe if Rob will agree to it, and then we'll have to reach out to Drew, we get them on together, which I would love to have. Um, That'd be nice. That would be nice. The next question got to be, uh, like, is it Sam or Amos, the, the Germans? Sid, go for it, Sam or Amos. Well, I'm going to have to go. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I have. I, <laughs> that's, that's an easy one. What do yeah. you got there, Shay? Um, I don't know. I'll go Sam just because I've never met Amos. Yeah. I'm sure Amos is a great guy, but Sam has been incredibly helpful with us and, you know, could not have been nicer to us. Also hopped on and given us great opinions. So, so then, okay, we got a different one. So we got a little, this is you two competing against each other right now. So a little trivia question for you. Uh oh. You both know the answer. I feel like John is going to beat you right now because I'm going to yeah. tell you the answer when you get it wrong, Shay, and you know who all the guys are. <laughs> So I want to hear the three of them, but I would prefer to hear it in order. 2016 Rio Marathon, men's marathon, who is gold, silver, and bronze. Two of these are layups. Kipchoge one, Rupp third. <gasps> no, second. No, who's third? Who's third? Oh, it was, was Rupp. Yeah. Okay. And then it Do you was know who two was? I have no idea. It's a Kenyan head, right? I, I'm terrible at running history, to be honest with you. Yeah, me like, too. I'll give you guys a hint. This will be a side question. Okay. Who were the three guys that did the first Nike sub two attempt aside from Kipchoge? So oh, who are the other what's two? His name? I know who you're talking about. So there's two. One of them oh was God. silver medal 
in the, 2016. The, form, the really high form. Well, both of them do. So it wasn't. It's, it's a half guy. It, right? It's the half no. guy who didn't finish. Yeah. 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 Uh, Faisa Lalisa. <sighs> yeah. Or Lalisa, however it is. Yeah. So he was silver. But then there was Zernahe Tedesi, or however you pronounce yeah. his name. Tedesi. Yeah. I liked him. I wanted him to pull out in that one. Um, but yeah, so then we do our little um, fan contest um, where our listeners, so they'll win a free Hills and Two shirt. But I think let's spice it up a little bit right now. They will only win the Hills and Two shirt if they beat John on this one. So, John, sound running 5K this weekend. What is oh, the okay. winning time? I, I can do races that haven't yeah. happened yet. So, if you, you give us the winning time, we won't know the answer to this one until after the 5K. So, if well, you know anyone can guess in the comments, DM us, whatever. Make sure we see it. Um, the closest to the winning time in the sound running 5K. But if you're closer, John... Maybe they get a, a handshake from you instead. <laughs> yeah, if they find me. They get a training. Yeah, uh, yeah they get a free training. Are we going men's or women's five? Here's the question. Um, your choice. I'll go women's five. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to say it's uh, 1453. Okay. Without knowing the field. So that's, okay. uh, that's, that's so a John Green has I, selected 1453. Uh, send us yeah. your responses. If you are closer to the winner than fourteen fifty three, you will win a Hills and Two shirt. Yep, awesome. Sweet. That sounds good. I'm gonna, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I bet it's like gonna be paced at like it might only be paced at like a fifteen oh five race, but yeah. someone yeah, will be able well, to close. <laughs> I should I should look at like who the fields are as yeah. well. That'd the fields helpful. are stacked. I am excited knowledge. for it. I mean, the men's field especially is crazy. I mean, you got anytime you got Jakob and Bridgestone coming here, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fast. It's gonna be fast. Sound does a great job putting these these meets on. Amazing. Have you been to one yet? No, I haven't yet. No. Um, oh wait, no. I think the meet director's the same, but it's Mount Sac the relays. I was same oh, meet director, Jesse but I don't Williams, think that was a sound running meet technically. Yeah. I haven't been, but so. Shay Shay raced in the last one. He was just a little this bid from yeah, the ten right there. It was there. so nice. They did such a great job with it. It's awesome. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're just, uh, the way they're setting it up and stuff like that, that's, I mean, that's a really good way to, like, with the commentary and then the pay-per-view, being able to just pay, like, what is it, five bucks or whatever to watch, yeah, like, yeah. that's Mine's great, crazy. and you know where it's going to, like, a good cause and stuff like that, Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's sweet. Well, stuff like that just increases, you know, accessibility, yeah. you know, if we want to grow the sport, then we can't have these big, you know, media conglomerates like FlowTrack just dominating streams and making you pay you know, a million dollars every year just so, you know, you can even rewatch your own race, let alone other people watch the race. Yeah. I think the yeah, five, bu- sure. what is it? Five bucks for the sound running? Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, and the, what they're using it for is yeah. just even better. And even, I mean, obviously yeah. that's a, that's a great way to do it is, you know, be able to put it towards a good cause. But even, uh, was it, was it Tracklandia? Did the one where the pay-per-view sold went into the prize purse for yep. the athletes. Like yeah. I thought that was a really cool thing to do there. I thought that was kind of groundbreaking for the way that we carry ourselves and operate. Yeah. And I think it's also like paying, like putting the money towards like paying pacers to actually run the, like yeah. good pacers and stuff like that. I mean, it's uh, like, there's a lot of money in pacing for sure. And like, yeah, I mean, if you're setting up races, that's awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean, so I think, yeah, I think it's going to be, yeah. I, if you're, if you're paying pacers and like, especially pay, like recruiting people to come out to your meets and stuff like like what they're doing this weekend is it's going to be fast. I'm excited to see also the like 
the NEU boys, obviously, at uh, like being in Flagstaff now. I'm excited to see them kind of rip one, and like that's gonna be like that's gonna be fast. I'm be, I'm curious if they run sub, not the NEU boys necessarily, but if the race goes sub 13. Yeah, I think it will. I, I, I would say sub 12. 15, well, I mean, Jacob's there now, so. Yeah. I mean, that just kind of opens that up to anything can happen now. And if they put the lights on. I'd be curious what the pacer goes. Yeah. I think they have the pacing you, lights. you got to right? be running 1250 pace, sub 1250 pace the entire time. And yeah. I don't know if they'll set that up of like, because what, 64 is 13 flat. So, yeah, maybe yeah. they set it up as like, yeah, 64 points. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's nuts. That's, that's fast. That's stupidly fast. That I'm is, glad I'm not that racing crazy anymore. Fast. That's why. <laughs> it's, I, a different, it's a different world now. I'll stick to it's the eight. It's so different. It's fun. Yeah. I'll just sprint for a minute and change. It's fine. Um, yeah. Well, I think that kind of puts a nice little bow in it. So thank yeah. you so much, John, for, uh, for doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's great. Great. No. All right. Awesome. Thank See you. Guys. Thanks. Bye. Oh, here we go again. Oh, here we go again. People talking shit.